This is Akisha Johnson for Brooklyn Public Library's Greenpoint Oral History Project for Our Streets, Our Stories at Brooklyn Public Library. It is January 17th, 2019. I'm here on Kingdoms Avenue in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, right next to the Newtown Creek with members past and present of Newtown Creek Alliance. And we're here tonight to talk about the history of this organization. So first I'd like to pose the question, when and why did NCA start? So, Yes, take this. Um, the Newtown Creek Alliance started in 2002, and um, that was the first year that David Yasky was elected to be the city council member for the Greenpoint neighborhood, as well as several other neighborhoods in Brooklyn. And he was um, he was appointed to be or, or nominated appointed to be the chairperson of the New York City Council Subcommittee on Barbers. And so he had this kind of dual interest in Greenpoint as a neighborhood and a community, but also the Brooklyn waterfront as a whole. And I was hired initially to be a staff person to David Yasky, and then in April moved over to be the policy analyst for the committee on the central staff of the New York City Council. And so was focusing more on the waterfront side of David's portfolio. And in that capacity, um, we were working very closely with the Hudson River Keeper, and I had arranged in you know in like April or May to go on a boat tour um, on a river keeper's boat of the Gowanus, and so we get out on the boat, and that's the first time we met Basil Sagos, and he was full of energy and excitement, and the bridges weren't cooperating on the Gowanus, so we had nothing to do with these hours of time and decided instead to go up Newtown Creek because none of us on the boat, including John Lipscomb, the captain, um, had seen Newtown Creek from the water. And it was, you know, this combination, it was a rainy day and so the CSOs were releasing and there was this combination of kind of shock and in some places disgust, in some places amazement that this was the 21st century in you know New York City, um, but also just this disbelief that this level of industry and economic productivity existed here, and that dichotomy and that uh, juxtaposition was, I think, really compelling. Um, and at the same time as we were kind of waking up to visibly what some of the issues on the creek were from an environmental perspective and you know kind of what Riverkeeper's focus was at the time, because David also represented Greenpoint, I was acutely aware of the myriad struggles and projects that Greenpoint was facing, including the incinerator, um, land use along the waterfront, the sludge uh, receptacle, the sludge tank. And, and so it struck me that this was a community that was juggling so many disparate issues, but along this corridor that really connected them all together. And so Basil and I reached out to Paul and just held a meeting to listen and see what those issues were and, and how individuals in the community, both on the economic side of the community and the businesses, but also the residents in Brooklyn and Queens. I mean, there's so many kind of coming together and borderlines in this community. Saw might 
be a way we could be productive and helpful given the resources and the capacity we had. And that conversation just lasted for years. And, you know, I, I've often thought that if I knew more going into that day, Newtown Creek would have been much less successful, but because I really didn't know very much at all, it really was a conversation and it really was driven by the people that had been active and fighting for this neighborhood for decades. Um, and so it's just, I mean, I'll just say now that it's incredibly exciting and heartwarming to see everyone here in this space and the projects that you guys are so successfully implementing today. Yeah. But that was the germination and then there just kept being meetings every once in a while and then there was a grant here or there and new people brought new interests and talents and, and we kind of slowly pieced together a umbrella of projects and programs based on what people were bringing to the table and interested in doing. It was never, I mean, it wasn't particularly cohesive until then Kate took over and really set about kind of turning the aggregation of people into an organization. And what year was that? That was 2011, 2011 I think. 2011, 2010. 2010 was of the institution. Well, during the transition period, though, it was Paul and Bill and Laura and the people who became the board yeah. who were the primary activists, and everybody had their own thing. Yeah. You know, Paul and Bill were involved with Greenpoint Manufacturing and Design Center, whereas Laura was involved with the Newtown Creek Monitoring Committee over at the plant and also with St. Nick's Alliance. And I think that's basically the next part of the story is you guys' experience. Because that's what got handed over to Kate. Well, we, we set up the board right before the BOA application. Yeah, or the BOA sort of for us was where it gelled more. So the Brownfield Opportunity Area Plan um, went through a few different application stages when, so we, the program came out, dates are gonna escape me, but yeah. the program came out 2003, 2004, um, and it was one of those programs, good thing Curtis is not here, um, <laughs> one of those programs where you'd sort of, you know, it was always sort of waiting for Albany to come through with the funding, and so you'd sort of you'd put in an application, and then as I recall, we had to resubmit an application, but, um, or maybe a couple of times, but then the, the uh, structure around the BOA was uh, Newtown Creek Alliance, GMDC and Riverkeeper, um, and uh, I won't bore you with all the details about how that that you know the consortium uh, fleshed out. But in the end, there was um, we did end up getting the money for what was called the Step Two uh, application. Riverkeeper and Basil did a lot of work to sort of get us past the Step One phase, and then the Step Two was really about documenting. This gets back to. Kate as well, documenting sort of all the conditions along the creek, which were miraculously sort of undocumented from a planning perspective anyway, I think maybe more documented informally, but um, so we uh, sent Kate and Damien Lawyer. Lawyer out to do sort of 
painstaking because our because our big expensive consultants uh, couldn't find the time to do it. We hired Kate and Damien to go out and survey survey site by site mm -hmm. all around the creek. Um, I think to their health, to the detriment of their health. <laughs> I remember Kate coming back and saying, "I can't believe how many you know like ninety nine cent stores are storing mm -hmm. like really toxic material all along the creek." Um, but so yeah, so then over the course of several years, we developed a brownfield opportunity area plan, um, which was really focused on industrial preservation. It was, I think, different from every other BOA plan that had happened to date because all of the others had really been about uh, taking industrial neighborhoods or uh, mixed-use neighborhoods and reconceiving them as sort of big development plays. And we were really uh, interested in sort of reframing that and making it about industrial retention as well as environmental sustainability, and that I think it, um, I think we we sort of created a template that other BOAs have subsequently used, um, but you know, sort of focusing on not sort of the development opportunity so much as the neighborhood, the existing economic development, you know, sort of opportunities as well as the, the environment. And and really taking on the legacy of the Hoffmans and. Doreen Klementovich, I just had this vision of her like yelling into a microphone. Mm. Um, but th that direction really came from the people who lived here. You know, it was it was very clear in my mind from the get-go that the goal was to preserve that diversity in the neighborhood and preserve the industrial job-focused use along the creek because I think uniquely this neighborhood and the residents within Greenpoint saw the benefits of that and saw how that really distinguished the sets of communities that surround you know Dorothy Moorhead and you know really understood the dynamic of a multifaceted community and so I mean I would love to hear because it's been a while from Laura you know about the the years before the Newtown Creek Alliance because it really was rooted in the conversations that you guys began so long before um, kind of knitted together maybe in Newtown Creek Alliance, but were certainly not happening for the first time. Well, be, before the meeting that you spoke to spoke about the first meeting, I know as a community member, I felt broken, sick. My family was sick. I felt desperate. Um, and at that meeting, it was like it was a ray of hope. The hope, from what I recall, it was like the, the meeting exploded like a firecracker. There was all of this chemistry between the different people who, um, as I think Mitch said, you know, everybody brought different areas of expertise to the, or experiences to the, to the meeting. Um, for a while, I had I knew some of the people that you know were at the meeting. Like you know, Bernie, I had met I believe on the Pulaski Bridge, <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know he was shooting shooting photographs, and we ended up having a conversation. And I, I remember that I was like this doom and gloom person talking about you know all the sickness and everything that was going on, and he had this this beautiful positive look at the at the creek and was showing me all the birds and things like that which I didn't even know existed there I was once he, once he had me you know actually looking for the wildlife on the creek 
Um, I remember me, Mike, and the kids had spotted a, a pair of swans, and we were so excited. It ended up in, being in the Greenpoint Green Gazette, I think. <laughs> and um, I, I remember mailing that, um, that photograph to Bernie, and it was like, yeah. I don't know, it, it was just like such a moment with, you know, with me and him. You know? And he, I know he's very missed. Yeah. Bernie Enti was uh, from Maspeth over in Queens. Um, he's the one who actually brought me into this story. Uh, the first Newtown Creek Alliance meeting I went to was being led, led by Katie Schmidt at Paul's office at Greenpoint Manufacturing and Design Center, which is downstairs from Bill's studio. That's the night I met Laura and I met Steve and I met a few other people in the room. And that's also the first time I met Kate Zidon. Um, Bernie, unfortunately, got sick and passed, and he's dearly beloved and missed, but he also brought May Armstrong into the story as well. Uh, May and I started, uh, while Katie was still uh, running the show, we started doing tours. Uh, at, we received some grant money from one of the various environmental remediation funds, and we did a series of boat tours. Uh, at the end of that summer, that's when Katie Schmidt stepped out uh, to look after her career and her personal life. And that's the year that Kate Zidar stepped in, and it was Kate who really crystallized the vision of what Newtown Creek Alliance would be and brought us the next step to becoming an official nonprofit. So there was less enthusiasm about naming big Superfund sites. And it, it was fascinating. I even got asked to interview for a job at EPA Region 2. And I show up, and it wasn't a job I was qualified for. And then it became very clear that they just wanted to talk to me about Newtown Creek, but couldn't do it officially. <laughs> and so they brought me in to like interview for a job, but then they just asked about Newtown Creek, and it was hilarious. Um, but uh, like within weeks, of Obama starting his first term. They designated Gowanus and Newtown Creek as Superfund sites. And that was really a game changer. That also happened, and I am going to mix up the dates here, but somewhat concurrently with settling the lawsuit that Riverkeeper brought against ExxonMobil for uh, contamination um, in the, the oil plume under the creek. And so all of a sudden, what had been a pretty adversarial and policy-driven um, agenda, which included some very non-adversarial and very graphic and educational elements, really transformed into an organization that had some access to money and could help connect communities to the access you know, to money. And Superfund was going to start, and that was going to take a lot of 
the community organizing and create some central pieces. And so there was really a pretty quick sea change in what the organization needed to get good at. And all of a sudden we needed to get much better at public outreach and education on the cultural side, on the project side. And all of that, and, and I was good at the adversarial policy stuff and not good at the education and happiness side. And it happened to coincide with me getting a job <laughs> where I was conflicted out of being on the board of Newtown Creek Alliance um, because I started working for the city and the city was a potentially responsible party. And, and so there was this magical moment where the needs of the organization radically changed and Kate's and my needs magically changed at the exact same time. And it was a really perfect transition to kind of fighting for Superfund, fighting in the litigation, to connecting people with money to do cool projects and teaching the world about those projects. And so that's really what Kate brought to the table very beautifully. And I think that that's what's amazing to see is that Willis and the current team is continuing with that work in some incredibly exciting ways. Um, yeah. Well, I, I would say Kate oversaw what became like almost the Cambrian explosion of Newtown Creek Alliance. That's when Dewey and the Boathouse and Willis first appeared. And that began the human-powered boating community on Newtown Creek, which has really been a galvanizing force. Um, that's also when we began to reach out into Long Island City, and we met Gil Lopez and the folks from Smile and Hogshead Ranch, which are an enormous project that we're still very involved with. That they're here, not here tonight, unfortunately. But um, I, but the one thing I, I also would, you know, and just, I'm just speaking as, you know, I'm the one who remembers all this as the group historian. Um, the presence of Riverkeeper at every single step of the way, from Basil Segos through Philip Musigas through Sean Dixon and right up today to Michael, uh, being you know being at a board level, um, ha having a board level influence on Newtown Creek Alliance's growth and development. Um, the presence of Riverke Riverkeeper through the visioning plan that Will and Lisa just completed um, has been one of the most important factors toward the growth of this organization. Um, but uh, the Cambrian explosion, Katie, do you want to expound on what you did during that period? Or? <laughs> You're not going to be able to talk to Because, <laughs> I mean, that, that, that was an enormous period of growth. That's yeah. when uh, well, Jen that's... Mun came in. And... Right, right, right. So the, so the reason why I wanted to talk about Superfund first is because, like, we had arrived at this time where it was, like, we were asking for this designation like, and I was a, you know, I was in the peanut gallery, like, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. it's really that bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, who's going to fix it? Super fun. <laughs> and then we'd gotten the BOA designation, and then all of a sudden there was this, like, planning tool. And I had been training in urban planning, and I did my graduate thesis on the sewer shed of Newtown Creek. It was, like, my, um, my personal professional life like had just come together in the sewers and so I like literally had just written like this book about uh, combined sewer overflow and like you know talking about what sewer sheds were and what combined sewer overflow was and like languaging all of this stuff and then um, and then we had uh, this like organizational moment where it's like oh now we got the things that we've been asking for now like what's the positive vision and um, 
and the voting community comes along uh, and provides us with like, oh well, and and like here's the the the, the swimmable, fishable thing is important because people are fishing and people are not swimming, but people are boating and well, dripping and yeah. accidentally yeah. swimming. Every well, on a yeah. really hot day. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what like Joe Lentil used to say, he used to swim in the creek, and he turned out fine, right? Yes. So, yes. Um, so I don't know if I can go into the full kangaroo also because we've been joined by David Yasky, so I don't know. We can just like, if I can just well, like keep talking about the, this phase without acknowledging the people who have joined us. And, and maybe, I think <laughs> it actually makes sense to go around the room and for everyone to say what they're connected, because there are a lot of people who haven't spoken yet. That's very Newtown Creek Alliance. Yes. In case you're, uh, <laughs> thing to do, I think. So maybe we could just quickly and and kind of say kind of what era okay. you were involved in and what you think you brought to the table. Um, make sure everyone's voice is recorded. So I've talked. I've talked, but uh, I'm Paul Parkhill. I work at uh, Greenpoint Manufacturing and Design Center from 1999 to 2012, and was one of the early board members of New Tech Creek Alliance. And Constant space provider and infrastructure enabler in the early years when we had this. Author of Copper on the Creek. No, no, that was Curtis. 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 Oh, that was you were Curtis. Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bill Shuck. Um, I, I, I was there at the beginning of, with the first meeting, and um, I'm kind of an active, uh, uh, accidental activist in that I'm a visual artist, and I live next door to where Paul Park Hill was running the meetings at GMBC. Uh, at 99 Commercial Street, and um, I have a studio there and a loft, and I started getting involved in Newtown Creek because the back of my building bordered it, and we couldn't get access to it, and then my landlord busted a hole through the back of the building for an emergency exit, and I realized, well, we got this waterfront land here, but it was just <laughs> covered with, de like, decades of debris, anything that was manufactured was just dumped there and so I you know I started cleaning it up and put put in a garden and I bought myself a, a rowboat and started boating and then I was I was the only person I know of that was boating and I got invited to that first meeting by Fong Lim who's a boat builder he called me up and said oh there's there's people that are involved with the you know that that urgent in Newtown <coughs> Creek and you know he knew I was boating so that's how I ended up showing up the first time, so I was just this guy with a boat. And, and, and at that point, in the very beginning, I got Basel Seagos was, you know, working hard and getting us in the press, and so I was often the person that they'd go to because I was the guy with the boat. And so, like, the Newtown Creek, yes, we were interested in conditions improving, but they needed somebody who was actually on the creek. Mm -hmm. So um, that early on, that was sort of the position I had was that you know I was actually paddling around out there. Well, I'm I'm Sean. I joined the Tennessee Creek Alliance around 2009 or so. Uh, Bernie Enty was one of the was the responsible for bringing me in, as well as Mitch Weston. Um, I started out just. Uh, I think like some people, I wasn't really involved with all of the policy making. I, I just was a tourist who went on a boat tour and was horrified by what I saw. 
So the cousin was horrified by what I saw, and the person giving the tour happened to be a primary member of this organization. I joined on, and I've been part of it ever since. Uh, doing the tours mostly until about two years ago, and now I just peripherally um, kibbutz whenever I have a chance. I'm Kate Snyder. I was director from 2011 until 2014. I think I left at the end of 2013. Sure. <coughs> uh, Damian Lawyer. I guess PTA or sort of a consultant. <laughs> Um, so, 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 Uh, I'm Mitch Waxman, and like every other piece of wind-blown trash in New York City, I ended up in Newtown 3. Um, I stuck to the shoreline, and I've been here ever since. So, uh, that's hard to top. I, uh, <laughs> uh, my name is David Yasky. I represented Greenpoint in the City Council from um, January 2002 through uh, December 2009, um, and in that capacity on Katie Schmidt's team, and my um, role was just really to uh, listen, hear, tell, hear when Katie gave me kind of reports and told me what was going on, and to be excited by it and admiring <laughs> of it, and that's still the case. Uh, Paul Pulo, uh, local, born and raised in Greenpoint, local businessman. Uh, been on the Newtown Creek Monitoring Committee since the early 1990s. Was in, was around, and I tried to help them in the <coughs> beginning. Supported the organization. I remember Kate coming in my office and asking for help. And right in the beginning, you were very nervous. <laughs> you were, she was so nervous. So she was so nervous asking for money that I helped her out. <laughs> I don't mean help her out. I helped her out, but I helped her out to ask. I was helping her to ask. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then we're going to go see some other people. Yeah. That's, <laughs> 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 so, so that's how I, I helped that's out. But, uh, they've been doing a great job. Yeah. And I, Paul, Paul, we framed that check. And, we got yeah. that. <laughs> and uh, I agree that Riverkeeper has been always there. Uh, to support the community and support Newtown Creek. I've personally been on the creek since the, every day since the 80s, since about 85. So I, I've seen the creek go through tremendous changes. In the 80s, uh, Phelps Dodge would uh, turn the creek purple, green, pink. Different days it was a different color, and they were like neon colors, it was crazy. And I, I'm happy to say that I started to see fish for a number of years already. It's gotten so much cleaner already. And I just look forward to it getting cleaner and cleaner. 
Uh, I'm Mike Dulong, I'm a senior attorney with the famed Riverkeeper. Um, I wish I could take credit for all the great work that's going on and all the great work that Riverkeeper has done over the years, but I've only been here for about a year. I've been on the board of Newtown Creek Alliance. Um, I heard the stories from Captain John turning in in the early 2000s, I think 2002, taking a hard right turn into Newtown Creek for the first time, seeing oil sheens. Uh, over the years, we've seen trucks back up and dump concrete, wash out their concrete <coughs> trucks right into the creek. Uh, we have sued at least 20, probably more like 50 sites along the creek for various Clean Water Act violations and all kinds of stuff and helped clean up the spills. Um, but there are not many waterways in New York City that are more polluted than Newtown Creek. There might be one. And that's 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 but there's there are also not many places where there's more opportunity for improvement and for cleaning up the waterway and where there is a community that is so dedicated to doing it. Uh, I'm Willis Elkins. I'm the current director of Newtown Creek Alliance, and um, I took over from Kate at the end of 2013, and um, and had been involved. Before then, was kind of volunteering, helping out with projects, and uh, had known Kate for a couple of years. You were, um, you were the education uh, subcommittee. I was on the education <laughs> subcommittee. <laughs> you were the work, work group. Work group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Education work group leader. Um, <laughs> and I got involved in the creek uh, just a few years prior. Uh, I started in 2008. I <clears throat> recently moved to Greenpoint and got really interested in the waterway and started boating around. And then in 2010, met Dewey and worked with others to start, which is now the North Brooklyn Boat Club. And that access really also led me to meet people like Mitch. And I remember meeting or running into Laura a lot at Manhattan and Street and stuff like that. So I've been here for a bit now. Yeah, it's great to see everybody I'm Steve Lang. And I got involved in 2004 when I started teaching at LaGuardia Community College. And my office is right overlooking Dutch Kills. And I just remember, like, what is this place? And I started exploring it. And I think I got involved with the Long Island <coughs> City boat people because they were doing a lot of stuff. And uh, I think I've been involved ever since. Hi, I'm Dorothy Moorhead. I my introduction to Newtown Creek was in the late 70s. I ended up making two trips to the sewage treatment plant, as it was called at the time, once for my major, urban studies, and once for my minor, environmental <coughs> sciences, earth sciences at the time, and uh, didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I would read news reports every once in a while about it, but I wasn't really involved until I became the um, Environmental Committee Chair of Community Board 2 on the Queen side. And I asked the district manager to take me around to some of the hot spots in the uh, district. And one was on Newtown Creek where there was a slaughterhouse mm -hmm. and they just cut the chickens' heads off and drained them into Newtown Creek. So I don't have to tell you what that smells like and it was pretty gross. Um, so that was my introduction and that was in 93. Uh, um, then there was a stakeholders meeting about the aeration on the creek because it failed to meet the uh, minimum standards for a fish swimming through it. 
So we went to it's Laura and, Laura and a couple of others, and I think I met you there too. Were you in the stakeholders for the aeration project? <coughs> Maybe not. Maybe it was a little after that. But it was shortly after that, and that was it. We were talking about the minimum standard for a fish to be able to swim through the water and survive. So um, it was uh, then shortly after that, Newtown Creek Alliance was formed, and I was on the board until about six months ago, I guess. And also uh, on the steer the BOA um, committees, um, and I still am chair of the environmental committee. So I'm very interested, and I'm very happy to see everything chugging along. My name is Laura Hoffman, um, community pain in the ass. <laughs> I was a, I was a pain in the ass the, during uh, David's the, 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 David's time as councilman, and that's how that, that's how I that's how I met. Um, we, my husband and I were very involved with a number of organizations, the Newtown Creek Monitoring Committee, and we had our own little organization, Barge Park Pals, and we, we found ourselves, uh, we found ourselves just getting a crash course in environment, environmental, uh, problems because we learned that the playground was surrounded by, uh, um, a PVC manufacturer, a polluted creek, um, a sewage, sewage treatment facility, a sludge holding tank, and the kids that we were serving um, during the softball tournament were being affected by all the smells and things. And I, I found out that I had lupus. Um, one of my sons had an autoimmune disease also, and later <laughs> on my daughter, and the list goes on. So um, I'm very interested in what was going to happen to the community, to my family. And by the time, by the time the first um, meeting with the new, uh, well, that <laughs> that Katie and, and David had had set up, um, I was kind of hoping that there would be a lawsuit. Uh, against the oil companies, and you know, I was just so happy. You know, when at that first meeting, I felt that that's what what was happening. And um, but after the, my husband and I um, actually became co-plaintiffs in a lawsuit along with Bill Chuck and uh, Teresa Toro, Ralph Carl, and Deborah Masters, um, and. We started working together, and um, not that we hadn't already been working together as as an alliance in some form, but now, but now we were named. And
Because I didn't, I, I think I got introduced to the creek through Christine Holabosch, who was on NICMIC and had been talking about it as co-chairs of the Greenpoint Waterfront Association for Parks and Planning, otherwise mellifluously known as GWAP. Uh, you know, the creek was part of the environmental portfolio that we kind of looked into in various ways, but Christine had much more knowledge about it than I did, and then at the same time, I, I've been dragging a canoe and, a, and then kayaks over broken street ends to get into the water and uh, realized that unless we had an organization that started to really advocate for access to the water, that developers were never going to give us that access. They, their, their idea of water access was an esplanade and a railing. So um, I started having meetings um, at the Brooklyn Modern Gun Club. Um, Sadly missed. Uh, and, and what was interesting was not only was there, were the people there really like coming out of the out of the woodwork interested in getting on the water, but right away the uh, interest in the environment was part of the DNA of the of the organization that eventually became the North Brooklyn Boat Club, and that um, became a natural partner with uh, what NCA was doing. We had the boats. You know, as you were saying, we you know we had the boats to get people out of the water, so we do 
helped do the work the NCA was already deeply involved with. So that's that's how I got involved. So could you guys maybe talk a little bit about some of the things that uh, were difficult? What, what, what were the adversities in, in advocating, although many, I'm sure? Like, what kind of things were you guys working on together that you uh, were able to power through and the successes that you had? I can, I can think of a couple <laughs> things. Um, just kind of going, like, thanks to you guys for going around and for the suggestion, because um, so uh, there was nothing but inertia. Like, from the very beginning, Laura, what you were describing, just like kind of feeling like this was a hopeless situation and then having like some chemistry with a handful of people and then having that build and build, I feel like that was um, it kind of um, like shoe leather was the only way to really get through any of these impasses. Um, and the creek itself is like, of like a symbol of hopelessness, you know, it's, it's just like a dead, it's a dead environment and we all did it, you know? And um, and despite everything that went into it, like it's still just like little fish are like trying to get up there, and you know? Um, and so with a little nudge from all of us, it was, it can, you know, exponentially come back and come back. So the things that I'm thinking about whenever you ask that are like thinking about it, when I came into, you know, we came into the situation kind of in the BOA era when we were pivoting toward like being the squeaky wheel, squeaky wheel to actually like having uh, tools at our disposal. Um, like brownfield remediation is is a steep thing in a, a place that's already built and populated and complicated, and um, and a lot of the things that went into that plan have started to happen. Um, I mean, not every single thing, but like if you think about, I'm looking at it a bit creatively. Uh, maybe like the sh taking a look at the street ends, for example. Like that was a recommendation that we kind of shoehorned into that plan, but nonetheless um, has been a strategy that this organization has been able to use to create new open space, create uh, stakeholder engagement with the industrial community and the and recreational community, which is like two people, like in a Venn diagram, like they don't. They only meet on a street end in Newtown Creek. Like that's literally the only place. Um, and you know, and connecting it with like the historic advocacy that was going on at the in Greenpoint. You know, the Laura watching people you know catch blue crabs and like following them back to their point of sale and being like, you can't do that. You know, like the, um, you know stuff like this. It it um, the broad the, bro the breadth of the stakeholder group that's Newtown Creek Alliance is something I've never seen before. Like that all, that those types of activities can come together in an award-winning brownfield plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got invited to go to the big dance at the APA, I believe was the yeah. last you got to it. We all dressed up. Um, you know, that's that's like a that doesn't happen um, by accident and it doesn't happen because we lucked out. Well, and I think it did happen, like I said, because there had been people who had been fighting this fight for decades, and it had reached a point, and I think Laura expressed it really eloquently, where it had become very frustrating and very hopeless, and then whatever it was, whether it was 
like whatever combination of factors, I think Newtown Creek Alliance, <clears throat> and whether it was luck or coincidence or kind of pulling things together, you know, from my perspective, like, it, it, there weren't that many hard things. Because, I mean, I was right out of college, so I didn't know any better. And all of a sudden, we were suing Exxon and, you know, then super fun. You know, these, like, kind of <clears throat> huge things were happening not that long after we asked for them to happen, like, relative to the world, but it really, because we were standing at the top of a mountain that had been built by people who had been here forever. You know, the first thing that, again, struck my mind when you asked what was difficult, and it was like, keeping Irene <coughs> happy was difficult, and like, some of the staffing things with the BOA were difficult, but there wasn't a ton that was difficult. Like, everyone really worked together, and I think we were able to give voice that was on such solid footing because of the work that the community had done, and because the creek really sold itself. It, it wasn't like pitching it, it was just showing people what it was. That, I'm sorry, that, that first, I'm going back to that first meeting, that first meeting where David, you, Kate, Katie, um, and Basil and everybody who were at was very, very important to the community because before that there was a lot of disputing between community residents. Um, a lot of a lot of the community residents, homeowners, you know, didn't want the attention, of, of, you know, mm -hmm. that their their properties were contaminated or that the creek was contaminated. Um, a lot of the businesses didn't want that that <coughs> to be made public. In the meantime, there were a lot of people like my family and kids that 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 were involved in the tournaments we ran that were, were sick. And we had a different idea, like, you know, why, you know, what makes you, you know, in charge of all of us? We are part of the community, too. In, in my book, that's my community. Greenpoint's my soil, too, you know? So, you know, when, when you guys walked into the room and had this meeting, it, it was like a, like a giant step where, like now we had somebody behind us, you know, where we could actually say, you know, you know people are watching. You know, you need to, you know, you, you need to not be so concerned with just your property right, and be concerned about the environment, about the people, because not just about money. See, I always found the challenge is connecting Newtown Creek to the citizenry of the communities surrounding it lives. Um, when you're hanging out in a bar in Greenpoint or Long Island City or Astoria and Newtown Creek comes up, you inevitably the question is, Newtown Creek, what's that? Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, and you have to explain it as, you know that water you drives over when you're going over the Brooklyn Queens Expressways? And then they go, yeah, bro, I know. And then you go, yeah, that's the creek. Because, you know, you got to talk neighborhood when you're talking to these guys. Uh, the other thing is there's a general, there's a, a good portion of both sides. Their first instinct is, yeah, why don't we just pave it over and put apartment houses there? You know, which is another reaction people have to this waterway. But the thing is, and, uh, you know, Willis and I, we do a lot of the public touching stuff. It's the hard part is getting people involved in the story of the creek, not just in terms of 
guilting them out about the amount of pollution that they're putting out that's ending up in the water, but also in terms of the wonderful story of Newtown Creek, that this is the economic engine that sits at the, uh, you know, the Greek word for belly button is omphalos, the navel. Uh, this is at the omphalos of New York City, and this is where mobile oil was born. This is where five or six great American corporations made their money. Um, there is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of except that we have these lax laws regarding pollution that allow them to dump their junk in the water and on the land. Um, I, it's creating that sort of a narrative and explaining it to general public is so important because it reinvests them in the neighborhoods and communities surrounding the creek. You know, and one other thing that I've always found interesting from the very first Newtown Creek Alliance meeting I went to, so like right now on the couch, sitting next to the former council member, um, is a fellow who founded an oil company who's also sitting next to an environmental attorney. And everybody is of one mind about what the future of this creek should look like. And I think that's something unique, particularly in the modern political sphere, that we can have all these competing interests and all these competing points of view, the political class, the business class, and the environmental people, and everybody has a common vision for the future, and that is one thing about Newtown Creek, and something about the Newtown Creek Alliance that has given me a lot of hope even through the dark days of our current political situation. motto is reveal, restore, revitalize. You bet. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about a little bit about what's, what's been done to restore. Well, Street End, I think Willis is the guy to talk about this because he's yeah. got so much of sweat equity um, associated with it. Uh, Kate started Will down this road starting looking at various properties around the creek that were public properties. And then she basically unleashed Will Elkins at the project. <laughs> well, I don't want to take too much credit, and, and Damien left, and you know, I think Damien's also been, he's been an interesting partner because he's been a little bit more behind the scenes and doing some of the work. Um, but yeah, I mean, the restoration side is, is difficult um, because of the, the nature of the creek environmentally, and also because of uh, a lot of the regulations around it as well, including Superfund, so doing actual shoreline work has been, has been a challenge, I think, for us. It's really been trying to in many ways, uh, highlight some of the conditions and ultimately do the work that we can and have the city or the state or anybody else with, with more power and authority come in and do something greater. So uh, it's been a little frustrating. I mean, the earlier question about the challenges I think is really applicable here because there are some street insights we've been working on for years now. That was one of the first projects I worked with when Kate was still in charge. And, um, they're still sort of caught in limbo a little bit with, with dealing with the permissions of agencies. So, I don't know, restoration is, is to me is, but we've also seen some real progress. I mean, this past summer we had, you know, city agency going above and beyond doing their own work to, to put, um, to do restoration, self-worse restoration in the creek, which 10 years ago would have been, uh, they would have completely balked at that. So it's, it's great to see that sort of change on the higher level, but you know, we still have a lot, a lot to do with restoration. That's so. huge. Yeah. I mean, that's a, um, it's almost as if it's a different agency. Yeah. Like the same agency that this organization started with as DEP 
was not in the salt marsh restoration business. They were highly critical of any type of thin water body or anything. <coughs> it was all, their universe ended at the end of the pipe. Yeah. So advocacy at this organization, and, and I'd say you know a handful of others in the city, um, rattled loose the people in that, in that um, department, in that agency, and, and, and brought that culture up within. Um. Commissioner Sapienza has been a sea change in terms of dealing with them. Uh, this is, uh, you'll recall Vincent from the Newtown Creek Monitor Committee, uh, the deputy chief over there, uh, who used to work for Jim Payne. Um, Vincent uh, Sapienza has been an entirely, you know, been an entirely, it's been an entirely different thing since he's been in office. Been in office. So, I, there's like something kind of from the first question and this question that I've been thinking about. The, um, the how we work around, how this organization has any, ever worked around any issue, whether it was like, you know, being the squeaky wheel or trying to put forth a positive vision, has always shown me just, you know, bringing people out onto the creek, what Mitch and May and Bernie were doing. Um, and Riverkeeper. Riverkeeper. What Riverkeeper has provided through their through, through John and the boat. What's the boat's name? Sorry. Ian Fletcher. Um, what's that? Ian Fletcher. The Ian Fletcher. John Le Captain John Lipscomb and Ian Fletcher. <laughs> into the I was actually gonna at some point we should also name the people who are not in this room who should be on the record. John Lipscomb is, you know, among the elite of that group. And I, I, that's why I also just want to circle back to you know yeah. state say Mitch May and Bernie in the same sentence because my first you know how I kind of came to Newtown Creek was really like I I and really messing around with Bernie like I have to just tell a quick and, and I'll get back to my original point the magazine so I'll get I'll make my other point briefly in a moment but um, Bernie took me to a bridge and he had this pit which was a magnet on a lot, like a super magnet <laughs> on a wire. And he had been doing this like kind of on his own just for fun, where he would uh, plumb the black mayonnaise, which was the several feet of, of anthro anthropo-sized <coughs> sludge at the top of We just call it the upkeep, basically. That was concrete. He would throw the, he would launch the heavy magnet over the bridge and kind of dredge up whatever and and sure enough fragments and s the magnet would pick up stuff from the sediments and he would take this home and he would work <laughs> with it and he would try stuff on it you know he would try it out and he would like try to ignite it you know he was doing like all this all this like home science on and this is pre-super I mean like he should not have been doing this by the way <laughs> like it was definitely not like a public program that we were doing no. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> that was, like that was the first <laughs> educational program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. 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 It's not de-supermanent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did not have anybody's approval to do that, but that was very much like all of you, all of you, you know, you're all just poking around, like figuring stuff out. Like Mitch will tell you where the Santeria ceremonies are going on at the railroad crossroads, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, maybe some story, you know, like you will, you'll set up at the Hogshead Ranch and you'll hear some stuff, you know, so, and that's, that kind of goes back to the shoe leather, you know, approach that I was talking about earlier, but really like, 
uh, I think that the ed you know what what I walked into was something that I called the the education work group, but that was really you know just people who are so intimately involved with this environment that they and so full of information about it that they were just overflowing with stories and engagement that you know that we just tried to make fundable by calling it an education work group. You know, it's <laughs> like a downgrade, quite frankly, to what was actually happening. Um, but sorry, real quick, what I, I even made a note. Okay, um, how we, like, how do you break through the barriers by showing people stuff? So, just real quick, yeah, John. <laughs> the um, one thing I wanted to mention, and I'm sorry that Damien stepped out, but, um, like remediation, uh, like dealing with contaminated spaces is, is difficult and challenging. It's not necessarily that you want to like break open the soil and start digging around. Um, so one of the ways that we started working with um, bi concepts of bioremediation, which are I think something that's really important and, and I think that hopefully is like gaining traction here, um, was doing um, a project on the ExxonMobil site called the Fairy Rings, which was Jamon and the Bioremediation Work Group, <laughs> which is a similar like aggregation of weirdos who are just super obsessed with you know fungal aggregations and carbon sequestration and all this stuff. Um, anyway, so those those people got together and we and the, the thing that I was able to provide was a bit of leverage with the, because I had been working with the representatives of ExxonMobil through the Superfund space. Through, uh, through the, through the, Paul has stepped away, but also through like the business community space, and I just had a, a, a kind of like a, a straight conversation with them, saying, you know, we'd like to do an art project on your property, which is totally locked down, which nobody could get into, and for some reason they said yes, and J enter Jan Mun with like a strain of pink tropical fungi that she then like inoculates in circles representing the tank imprints of the leak of the leak tanks. And then, you know, we get we get I think that Mitch I think that Mitch might have even worn like his own like the his own safety vest. The he one was that required to purchase so a safety wear, vest. I still wear the vest. Right. Um, steel toed shoes and go through a day's training. So we got Mitch into it to go and document the the, the art project. So that which is basically like Mitch has been training for this his whole life. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it was like a hundred degrees. That's all it was. It was a really hot day. Like all the way, you know, gloves, rubber, boots. Hat, mask, everything. And, and for me, I was not there. Like I was in the office, probably writing a stupid grant, you know. But it was sort of like it was one of these moments where I was like, "We did it," you know. Like we got inside. Like it was like limbs rocking. Like, everybody's like on the barricade, and we're just, you know. And Jim Munn is in there doing the, with the pink mushrooms, and Mitch is in there with the whole, which with every camera, all of it. <laughs> You know, and then who was the who was the guy from ExxonMobil at that time? Um, I'm forgetting his name, but he was a gem, and he might still be around. Oh, Kevin Sora. Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, who Talk is a boater, and so he and I started to get. He started to get. He's a diver. He yeah, started yeah. to get down with me <laughs> on boat trips. So it was just kind of one of those moments, like how you only get through by the by spending 
spending hella time together. Like you can't, you, you like how else would that moment have ever happened except for us weirdos and a whole lot of time. Why does the creek bring such a robust community, do you think? She calls who needs to come, I guess. I don't know, there's something about, there's the siren. The siren of Newtown Creek. I think, I think everybody has been brought in by their interest, you know, so if you are an environmentalist or an artist, you've been pulled in because of whatever needs that you faced, and then you look for somebody to help you, you know, and uh, I think that's how a lot of people kind of came together, and then sometimes it's just because we're out in this completely unusual area where nobody really is, and you see somebody else that doesn't belong there, and you're like, Hey, you're not the garbage guy or, you know, or one of the construction guys, so you must be a weirdo like me. You know, what are you guys doing down here? Oh, when you see someone who's carrying their own clipboard, <laughs> you know they're in your tribe. <laughs> you know, again, it's like, like what you were saying earlier, so much of this is about being on site. You can talk about this creek as much as you want, but if you don't ever see it, you don't really quite get the, the, the depth of, of what is going on. Um, I have seen a lot of polluted waterways throughout the world, and it, it ranks up there. It's a lot better now, but it certainly ranks up there. And even then, I lived in this town for 30 years. I didn't know it was there. I'm on the train. I'm above it. I'm below it. I'm never on it. And then for so many decades, you couldn't get on it. You had to be able to work at the uh, recycling center and peer through the chain link fence, one of the burning holes. Um, you know, and it was just about being fascinated that this thing was there, and I didn't know it. And I live a block and a half away from Gowanus, so I'm like, how can I not know about this other waterway? What? There's two? <laughs> so then it became a uh, journey about finding out about more about it, and that was the end of that. And I'm not done. It's There's still a massive amount of things to find out about the past. We find out about things about the past every day. We're like, what? Um, and then there's so much going on now and the future. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. It's amazing. I'm so grateful to be part of it. Take us into now, May. You know, what are we excited now, about? Now, like, you know, well, this is too, too humble, but let's say there's all these projects. This green roof uh, building, building that we're sitting in has how many square foot of green, green roof? 24,000. 24,000 square feet of green roof, and that's all because of, well, Kate, Katie, everybody else in this room, um, Lisa, and you know. Um, Who's the building owner? The building owner, Tony. Tony. You know, um, local community awesome business Tony. people, awesome Tony. You know, this is his <laughs> building. He let, us, he let us put green roof on it, right next to the creek. Something that, how long have we been talking about doing gardening on a roof, Kate? A little bit. A little bit? <laughs> decade or so? Yeah. And it's something we've been dreaming about for so long. And this is just one of, what, half a dozen, eight or nine different projects? The Living Dock times two now. You know, the Apollo Street End, the Meeker Street End, the Maspeth Creek. Um, that member we used to bushwhack through that thing, trying not to get uh, poison ivy all over us. Now there's a bench and a 
path and a sign. It's like I work in the city to get the sign done. It was a nightmare. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's just so exciting how many projects are going on. And these are just the ones that are existing. Never mind the ones that are on the hopper. Have you seen the visioning plan? <gasps> Cannot wait. Let's put it all together. Let's do it all now. May, you reminded me of you reminded me of an incident um, when you said that when you were talking about the chain link fence. Um, well, there there was another group, Waterways and Greenviews, that, that was Keith Rodan, um, Carol Woodward, um, Tony Snackis, um, Barbara Mahalik. Uh, Barbara and Carol were actually former members of the NICMIC. Mm -hmm. But one day, Carol was telling me that you know she wanted to you know do a cleanup of Whale Creek, and I was like, "Where's Whale Creek?" So she said, "It's behind the, you know, it's in there with <laughs> the sewage treatment facility." I'd never seen it, you know. So we and there was no way of really you getting get to, to it, it at yeah. all. But it was things were way worse back right. then. There wasn't even a glimpse of what was back there. So she said, you could get to it, but you have to go through the sewage treatment facility. So I was like, okay, let's go. But we couldn't get permission to go back there. So we concocted this plan, right? Carol had a car, I had, I, I had a, a camera, and we did a Thelma and Louise through the gate one day, and I swung the door open, I scaled up the fence that she pointed to, and I looked and I was like, oh my God, there is a creek here, and I like clicked away. And we brought back those photographs to DEP. Um, of course, back then we didn't admit that we took them, because they were still trying to figure out whose car that was. <laughs> Um, but, you know, we got our pictures, and from that point on, uh, DEP started to allow us to have regular tours. Right. And that's actually how we ended up being able to tour the plant. Right. Now it's one of the most popular tours in the city, the Valentine's Day sewer plant. <laughs> got to be true love if you go on a trip. A Newtown Creek it's on Valentine's Day. Yeah. If you haven't done it, you should do it. it is, it's, it's not as good as when Jim Penn used to run it. Um, they mm -hmm. they show the video now instead of mm -hmm. all of the on site stuff that he used to take us to. I heard the Halloween boat ride is scary now, too. The Halloween boat ride is a little scarier now. Remember the Spooky Book Tour? Yes, I have a picture. I don't have it anymore. I, I made a hat that was a replica of the sewer plant for that Halloween boat tour. So for the longest time, I had sewer plant on my head. But yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting projects that are ongoing. But it was always about telling people about them, because so few people that don't live in the community or don't live right by the creek in the in the community. Um, the Queenside, for example, there's. The residential um, properties are a little bit further back from the water than on the Great Plate side, so they're like, what water? You know, because it's behind uh, an industrial fence and a parking lot or, you know, fresh direct or whatever it's behind, you know. Um, but a lot of it was just about letting people know that it was there, 
and letting people know what we did and how they could help. And they just all came. People would come. There were a couple of points that I'd like to address that other people have, have spoken about. Uh, one was when Mitch talked about um, just covering over the creek and the side creeks um, and making roads out of them. Um, the there was one creek that was filled in, and it was near, um, uh, in, just off in Maspeth, um, near uh, near factories, and some owner just filled it in and uses it now. And I tried to report it, to get the address and everything, and report it, nothing ever happened with it. So uh, they, uh, but the, the other thing is that they're on, my committee has to receive reports from various DEP on projects. So we had an engineer, wonderful guy, John Lee and Forty was his name, it was really funny. And whenever he would come to give a report about a project, I would always ask about Newtown Creek and the water quality and uh, try and get something off the record from him because he wasn't at the meeting for that reason. And one of the things that he said was that uh, when I was asking about all of the uh, points where the combined sewer overflows into the water, the outlets, <clears throat> and he said, we should be grateful that there were so many of them because that's what kept the side creeks open. Otherwise, mm -hmm. that land would have been filled in. So it is interesting, yeah. and we have to, if there is a historical context for this um, that we have to deal with, um, but it actually, that's really what kept all, mass, all, the, all the creeks, English Gills and all that. Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting point, um, interesting perspective on it. And DEP did feel that their responsibility was over once the water was in the sewer. Um, they had no uh, plan or funding to stop the combined sewer overflow or to treat the water once it was in the receiving water bodies, in this case, Newtown Creek and the East River. Um, the other point that came up was when we were talking, when we did the BOA, one of our priorities was jobs. We were certainly looking to clean up the, uh, the water, but we wanted to keep it open for barge traffic and for jobs. That was one of our priorities. And we have stuck with that, and it is a, a SNEA, a significant marine industrial area. So we have a good, uh, we probably will lose some bit of it on the uh, next two, um, Hunters Point South, which probably will end up being rezoned for housing, but most of it will not be. Um, and that's not even a given. It's just that we, I'm on the community board, so I know that there are developers that are eyeing that property to see if it's um, rezonable. And the water is very clean at the mouth, so um, it, it just might be a, a pressure that we will see put on the, the people, the creek and the people that are interested in the creek. You know, you know, we spoke about this green roof here, and um, we didn't really talk much about the money that came from the Exxon Mobil settlement. Mm -hmm. But that's that was a huge infusion of money into not just not just immediately Newtown Creek Alliance, but the entire community. And um, this was just one of the many projects. I mean, and they're still ongoing. And I think, I mean, Willis, you might have the best idea of anybody of like the, the scope of the number of projects that have. You know, have come out of that. There's a lot, like 40 or something like that total. I mean, this the history project we're doing right now is funded through it. Um, I do. It is an important, I think, 
part of the history of Newtown Creek Alliance because that was that was essentially when the transition from Kate to myself happened. Mm -hmm. And I always kind of remember being like, Kate, really, you're, you're going to leave? With this big opportunity. And I mean, it was difficult because there was a lot of big ideas that, that we had and we still have that are actually hard to get funding for because of the feasibility and things like that. But um, that was, a, I, th I think, a big opportunity for us to, to take advantage and we started, you know, as this water quality program we do now in LaGuardia and that, that grew out of that funding and, um, you know, it's very rigorous and has lent a lot more eyes to the creek and some of the restoration work, uh, the education work that we're now, it's, you know, the education has really developed from beyond just the tours to actually being in the classroom and working with, with the schools and the STEM curriculum so much so it, it, it helped grow I think that's part of it too is going from Katie to Kate to me to me and Lisa uh, you know having that shift of, of two people is really um, I think it's good for the organization and of course having a home here having a home is huge yeah so that you know GSEF was all a big part of that and and now we were fortunate to well, this office actually this office actually solved the problem that I was used to uh, annoy Kate about, which was we need an address. Yeah. You know, we, we need not a post office box. We need an address on Newtown Creek. And you recall, I used to annoy you about this every week. You know, but it was uh, back at the time, Kate was working out of like uh, an early WeWork space uh, somewhere here in North Brooklyn. And, um, you know, and we, and we were actually getting mail at Dorothy's <laughs> real estate office over in Sunnyside. Still do. Still do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, but well, it's, uh, you know, the notion that we finally have, uh, that MCA finally has a home where we, we don't have to beg somebody to let us use their office space is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's, um, no, it's, it, we've become, MCA has become a presence. Um, not just in environmental meetings either. We show up to community board meetings all over the creek. We're involved in all sorts of side projects that are our own interests. I've branched off into transit as well. You know, but it's, uh, there's a number of, you know, it, it's, it's funny because it's one of, one of the other things we did with, when Kate first came in was we printed up these hats. And um, I, I'm wearing, a, for the, those listening, I'm wearing a Newtown Creek Alliance baseball hat. Um, and it's, um, it became like a, it, it was something that we talked about, like how do we let them know we're in the room? And the initial idea was to print up t-shirts, but I always argue against t-shirts because everybody wears sweaters and jackets and you can't see. You know, so I said baseball hats. And I'll never forget the first, we, we had a meeting, it was the first or second Superfund Community Advisory Group meeting. And we had about 20 people in the room who all had their baseball hats. And when somebody from ExxonMobil walked to the front of the room to do a presentation, everybody reached in their bag and put the baseball hat on. And I swear to God, the Exxon people just like shat their pants. You know? it was, uh, but it, it let them know that it wasn't just, you know, that, that there was an organized group in the room who all saw things from a certain point of view. And that's, uh, I think that's also been something very important is letting the world know that, you know, it's not just four or five very dedicated people, that there's a lot of people who, they may not be here tonight, we may not have seen them in the last year, but they're part of Newtown Creek Alliance, and you know, that when, the, when we need them, they're gonna be there. I have another thing, um, and this is about Willis, 
and the outreach of uh, Newtown Creek Alliance, I had a, as I had mentioned, the, when there's a project that uh, DEP is planning to do in Community Board 2, they have to come and present it to my environmental committee that I chair. And there was one for a, um, a, a new aeration project, which would have been Dutch Kills, and then from the mouth of Dutch Kills uh, on the creek eastward. And the data that they were using was 10, 12 years old, 15 years old, something like that, was ridiculous data. Yeah. And the, the uh, first of all, there were other projects going on in Dutch Kills, and the, the creek itself is pretty clean, so it really doesn't need this. And they were doing that in conjunction with also putting up a little, replacing a small um, uh, house, a pump house. Um, but it was a $20 million project that has been canceled. Ta-da! <laughs> it was uh, Willis and uh, Sarah from uh, LaGuardia. LaGuardia. So Community that 20 million will go into... Uh, it's actually 30, 30 million. 30 million will yeah. go into salt marsh restoration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Earmarked for new chunky building. But it's that, it's that kind of day-to-day -day knowledge. Um, and also presenting it in a way that's not, you know, you idiots, this is what you should be looking at kind of thing but making them realize that their data is stale, that it's mm -hmm. not necessary, and then, you know, suddenly we get the letter, you know? So it, it really is very important to have that kind of um, uh, first-hand knowledge in depth and to be able to share it. It's very, very important. Along those same lines, I remember that in the earlier phases of the Superfund, um, the species slip, they were doing like ec ecological survey of the creek and they, they were, I'm making air quotes, they finished. <laughs> uh, and, and it was the people who were actually on the creek, the boating, the boating community, who were like, no, 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 you don't understand. No, no. There's a raccoon that lives over there, there's a, a pair of, you know, and there's a, nest, a nesting uh, pair of herons over here, there's, you know, there's an osprey over here. <laughs> there's, a, okay. there's a hunting osprey here, there's, you know, and who would basically say, if you next time, if you'd like to come with us, you know, we can we can show you where this stuff is, and in lieu of that, here's our spreadsheet. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, Sarah Duran from LaGuardia, she had a big hand in that stuff too, and I mean, she's so passionate mm -hmm. about the creek, and um, I think another side that's interesting that hasn't really been talked about too is some of the access points but specifically the nature walk because I think you know for me personally that was I found the nature walk from the water <coughs> did it open and was like paddling around with a friend and was like what the hell is this <laughs> and got out and walked around and then realized that I could take my little inflatable boat straight there and launch there for, for, a, for a number of years and it was also where <coughs> Sarah and Holly from LaGuardia uh, and Steve as well, but a lot of the professors started utilizing that as, as an access point, and that was you know the beginning of this too. Just like oh my God, there's an intertidal area that we that's been so long hidden, and there's there's mussels growing here, and so I think that was you know for me personally it was like <clears throat> my access to the waterway when it first opened, and then for so much of the work that we've sort of thrown on top of it, this this reveal. Uh, concerning the ecological activity, that was like the place too. So I think the you know having that nature walk 
uh, as well as Manhattan Avenue were really tremendous parts of, of you know, improving the alliance network as well. That's actually been one of the things that's really changed since I came to the creek is, as you have called it, intentional points of access to the water um, have multiplied. Um, we still have, you know, a paucity of them, but it used to be um, I would have to bust through a pile of thorn bushes to get down to the water with the camera, um, or I'd have to climb a fence, or I'd have to, you know, illegally trespass, and that's no longer the case. There's several points now where, and you know, as we saw when the Cos Bridge was coming down, these are places that people have taken per personal ownership of. You know, there's a uh, all these little spots now that have become part of people's lives, you know, and it's, uh, which is really interesting. Like uh, when I was down at, uh, at Plank Road, one, Maspeth Avenue Plank Road one day, and I met some guy who was standing there like throwing a line out and fishing, you know, which was bizarre, and I advised him not to fish there, and then he told me he was an environmental consultant, which made it even more bizarre. <laughs> but, was, uh, but, you know, the point is he was just, you know, he had, an hour to kill and he was just throwing a hook around. But the notion that somebody has an hour to kill and they're throwing a hook around that far back, like, what is that, three miles? Yeah. You know, that far back on Newtown Creek is fascinating. You know, yeah. and, that, and that's been a sea change. Well, really Plank Road, I mean, I have so many, you know, interesting run-ins with people back at Plank Road. <laughs> and I mean, my favorite is one day I was there <clears throat> picking up trash or something and someone drove up and he parks and then uh, and he's like looking at the area and then he starts talking about the history of it. And we put up this sign that included an old historical map and paragraphs about the history. And he's like just reciting it verbatim. You know, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm aware of, you know, the no right sign. And uh, he's so into it. And then I had assumed that he was working at the sanitation garage there because he showed up like around the time a shift would start and uh, I was like, oh, are you, you know, are you starting to shift here? He's like, no, I just come out here for fun. <laughs> Grew up in Masspeth, yes. and this is so cool. And I was like, all right, yeah. that's great. That's so, you know, I mean, there's other people that are, you know, going there for, you know, beer after work and things like that. And there's a lot more work to be done on that spot. <clears throat> there's still issues uh, with flooding and everything else. But, uh, yeah, getting rid of, you know, it, it takes a little bit of an intervention to get rid of, you know, create a little bit of access. So. Those access points were really important. I know that the Newtown Creek Monitoring Committee got a lot of help <coughs> from com other community members um, about the nature walk because, uh, you know, they said that you know if we were going to have op open space, why there? Mm -hmm. you know, but the the well, first of all, at the time when that was before I became a member, um, when when Barbara Mahalik and um, Ivan Clementevich were you know, co-chairs and um, let me say at the time I think Christine Hollowitz was the, uh, the liaison. That was the only property really available for open space <coughs> in Greenpoint. So it was a big deal you know, to get it. And, and you know, we, we stuck to our guns about you know, it would put eyes on the creek and it did. The very first month that the um, that that the nature walk was even open, um, my husband and I went to the nature walk and we saw that there was a barge sunk, and we were 
reported it to David Yasky, and David and David had a, a, a press conference even at, uh, about it. I forgot which peer it was of. In fact, my husband has a photo of you and Basil in his hand Aww. at that event. Um, but it turned out that it turned out that this company was sinking barges um, rather than get rid of the garbage because it was cheaper. By the way, raise a glass to the mother of us all, Irene. Yes. Those eyes on the creek have been very important, not just from an environmental, not just from a recreational perspective, but um, because there's more people in the water, there's more interest in the water being clean. And, uh, and there's more of a life, there's more of a responsibility for the government to clean it up, but depending on the use. And, you know, I've been on the, at the mouth of the creek and you see um, jet ski people and you think, oh, don't go in the creek. Oh, yeah, go in the creek. Oh, no, don't. <laughs> yeah. Because if it starts being used for sports that have contact with the water, right. then the... Uh, the, the uh, requirement <laughs> for the water to be cleaned up is raised. Well, the jet skiers do actually um, go on the creek. It's time I see them out there. I'll just get a couple of photos <laughs> for you. <laughs> yes, do. Do get those. Yes, do. Do I, do I, I do have to say, though, the moment that everything really felt like it coalesced was recently, just in the last couple of years, and that was during the visioning process for the um, you know, for the visioning plan that we worked on with Riverkeeper, where we had literally hundreds of people come in to various workshops to discuss how they use the creek, what they visioned, what they see the creek as being in the future. Um, do you guys want to talk about this? I mean, you were pushing, the, you know, the three of you were running the process. <coughs> uh, but I, I think that that's actually kind of where all the things we've been talking about have been leading uh, toward that community process. Yeah, I mean, talk about standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, all of the work that everybody in this room and so many other people have done over the decades allowed for this process to happen in the way that it did. And, you know, the vision report itself is something that we take around to people and groups and electeds and agencies and it's this incredible tool, similar to the BOA, where you know you can say this is the waterway we, as a community and multiple communities, want to see, and and these are the these are all the points of potential, and it's been incredible to develop the vision report and then to use it this last year, um, and it it does it's. You know, it's things that Bernie talked about are in there, and things from not just Greenpoint and not just the environmental community, but the business community and industrial preservation, and um, you know, it, it, it touches on all points. And it's, I don't know, it's a thrill to have been able to make it and to use it. And it does kind of take our work into this new level where we can leverage all of the work that has been done. Um, and, you know, we talk about it in high schools and in uh, the North Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce meetings and all of these different groups that we're able to, 
to take it to, The next step in the conversation. Yeah, what do you always say? Two Town Creek Alliance 3.0? Yeah. Bernie used to have bagels and coffee on his doors. And now Mitch has bananas. He has what? Bananas. Bananas? Bananas. Bananas. Oh, bananas? No. Yeah, just a footnote or a question on the nature walk. When Laura was talking about, was that, did DEP kind of propose that themselves as a, as a community kind of uh, perk, or was that something that the monitoring committee group the, the group fought for it. Yeah, no, yeah. I, right. Yeah, it was a consent yeah, it was a for our project, too. Yeah. That's what, so part there of, was it was funding. a consent for our project, too. So it was like a billion, I whatever see. it was, a billion dollar project. Right. It was part of the one to send for art requirement on new muni construction. George Truck. And, and, yes. yeah. and it was the modern yeah. committee that, that pushed, yeah, I'm right, it was, it was a yeah, uh, well, demand that, or whatever. That Which little piece so was a little bit before my time on, I mean, I was there for the fight for it, but um, the committee proposing it, what, what Irene told me was that at one point, you know, they, they were just going to leave that land be, yeah. you know, just, you know, for storage and what have you. And the committee said, no, if there's extra land, why can't the community have it? We need, we need open space and we need waterfront access. And that's my understanding of how that came yeah. to be. The only reason it caught my ear was because and, and I, my memory's probably wrong, but what, I, I, I don't remember that being kind of connected to Newtown Creek revitalization so much. I feel like it came out of Yes, the, absolutely. Uh, it, 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 it was in the, it, it came out of NCMEG. Right, it came out of the, the, you know, sewage treatment plant yeah. process, and it really did wind up, and, and it seemed like kind of a nice thing, but not a, not um, so consequential, but it really, it, what, it did wind up being a, a really um, valuable early point of access, and yes, it's just interesting. Absolutely. That was. It's know, also one of the most extraordinary public spaces in the yeah. entire city. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> phases two and three are beginning. Uh, phase two is starting, and um, you know, I mean, it's DEP, so it'll be done sometime before the next century. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's uh, but they're they're actually beginning work on phase two, which is going to be. A bridge across the back of Whale Creek, and then Phase Three is going to be another large property. You can actually see it out this window. Uh, that's going to create a pedestrian uh, connection between Kingsland Avenue and Page. So, like, yeah. So basically, you're going to be able to cross the Greenpoint Avenue Bridge and get down to the Pulaski area without having to go all the way around. Um, but it's it's actually very well used. Yeah. Very well used. And David, you might not remember, but I do. You did a lot of work for us to to well, make that happen. Me and Katie. I mean, me, you know. No, it's Eric Paulson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, Eric. Who Paulson. went to the <laughs> yeah, That's true. He did. And, and somehow I and enjoyed. Yes, he, he so enjoyed them because that was much more properly a district thing and not a water right, committee right, thing. Right. Right. That's right. That's why. I mean, I guess again, that's why I perked up was because I that that wound up being a much more useful and valuable thing than I think it was originally 
understood today. Yeah. But, um, while we're on the subject of DEP, I also want to have a footnote to what you said before about um, the, or I think it was you, but the sea change in terms of how they under, understand um, you know, well, their responsibility. Their, their, yeah, the scope of their responsibility. And it's just as a kind of observer, I think it's it's just very true that um, circa 2002, it was an agency that was 100% focused on its um, infrastructure, you know, on the, the water system and the sewer treatment system that it operates, which understandably is a big, big deal. But um, it had really no kind of surprisingly little awareness and interest in the outflows and the, mm -hmm. and the consequences in the wa of the water in, of the water the interest in the water quality and I think that really is very different I was just looking I just looked on Google to see Sapienza who I don't know personally you know recently mm -hmm. that he's he's a lifer at the yeah. you know he's been there and he must be, he must have like that he, he, he's, he's a product of that journey yeah. Uh, he's Jim Pin, uh, who built the plant. He was Jim's number two. <laughs> and um, when, uh, what was her name? Um, Emily Lloyd yeah. Yeah. Uh, retired. Um, he, it, the mayor, instead of picking a politician to run it, decided to advance somebody from within the system, which was a great choice. Yeah. Um, I, I Wait, know. I know. You're saying that was a great choice. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. It's stunning. Um, he had to get. He had to get one right. Um, Even a broken clock. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I. Well, the thing. The funny thing is, I've known the guy for at least a decade. So I don't normally call the commissioner of the DEP Vinny. You know, but Vinny is everything you want. It's like he understands the system. He understands the institution, and he also understands the politics surrounding his job, which makes him kind of the ideal person to be doing this super essential service. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's funny because I'm sure you encountered this when you were in office. This is something that we deal with with the current electeds around the creek. You want to be cutting the ribbon on a school. You don't want to be cutting the ribbon on a new sewer plant. You know what I mean? That's, that's not the... That's not the sexy it's thing. Right, that's it's not neon blue. Even, even then, you know, it, it's um, it, it's difficult to get the electeds yeah. excited about wastewater treatment and about uh, ending sewer outfalls into industrial waterways. Um, but this is actually part of the challenge as we work with the community and we try to, you know, and so one of the things that like, you know, I've mentioned to Will and Lisa that I I think is enormous is when they announced the Amazon campus opening in Long Island City, one of the first things that the Queens community started talking about was a lack of sewer infrastructure. Yeah, right. You know, and, and right there, that was us. We did that. Right. You know what I mean? That, like putting that on their radar, that, that was us. You know, and it's, because um, that's not something they would have complained about 10 years ago. No. You know, so I, I you know, it's, what, however that story ends up turning out, I, I thought that was a bit of a victory that people are actually thinking about that now, you know, in terms of development and so on. So about DEP um, and about 10 years ago, uh, one, of the, one of the projects that I've seen kind of go full circle um, from pre-me to post-me um, was the 
uh, right to know aspect of the combined sewer overflow um, alcohol events. And when and maybe this dovetails with something that I was thinking about when Dorothy was talking to, which is also kind of like the parody between Brooklyn and Queens, because obviously I think so far we get the sense that Newtown Creek Alliance is very much like of the culture of Greenpoint and the shoulders of the giants of Nicknick and and the nature walk and the 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 good luck of having the sewer treatment facility on the green side. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like proximity to proximity to residential neighborhoods, like all of these kind of like spatial planning things um, have really made this like a Brooklyn based movement, but that is really a Queens Brooklyn thing. Um, anyways, the um, one of the things that we worked on uh, during my era was uh, a project with the Brooklyn and Queens library systems where we put, um, the city basically uses two weather stations at both of the airports to, um, monitor, to, to collect weather data. And it's collecting weather data that um, is affecting an enormous area of 14 different drainage areas that are, have microclimates and that have totally different weather conditions at any given moment. Um, and that are topographically totally crazy, different um, from one another. And so what we started to do was to try to collect ourselves, our own more fine resolution weather data, and then work with Leif Persefeld. And was it, is there any other name that I should be saying? I think it was like, it was a pretty small group at, at, in the actual building of the, of the system, but it was the North Brooklyn Boat Club who was really kind of like the client uh, users of the water body, this is the premise, users of the water body needed a better resource to kind of inform their decisions about going out on the water. And so, and, and that information needed to be, did it rain in the, in the last three days in a sufficient, at a sufficient rate to trigger a combined sewer overflow outfall? And mathematically, that was possible if we had enough uh, fine resolution rain data. And so we put re um, rain gauges on the on the Brooklyn and Queens side, on the on top of the libraries, and worked with a hacker, Percival, <laughs> a creative technologist, a creative technologist yeah. like hacker, yeah. who basically who, who created this just like open source data flow from these weather stations um, into a Twitter feed and an SMS uh, system that you could query and say, um, was there a CSO? You know, I'm going to go. And it was a little bit, it, part of that was an actual need that we had in our stakeholder group, but also it was a little bit like, hey DEP, like you guys should be doing this, like it's super cheap. Even we can do it, like it just, like here's the budget, like all open, you know, here's the data. I think um, you have like high schoolers, like local high schoolers involved in checking and we, we did, there's a curriculum around it. We did curriculum in the public yeah. libraries and and then um, and actually and through NICMIC then we have you know the monthly forum with Jim Penn who's just kind of like oh wow that's cool <laughs> you know and, and we'd be kind of like so what precisely is the threshold for throttling at the you know and he'd be like oh yeah yeah you know and um, and so you know that feedback loop like having access which is amazing the fact that now like through the culture of DEP that um, somebody who understands that 
contact, direct contact with users of your infrastructure can actually improve the function of your infrastructure. Um, you know, having that kind of informed point of view come up through, I, okay, so the proof being in the pudding and I have no, I can't, you know, correlation is not causation, right? Um, but now the DEP does its own alert system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, and I'm not gonna say that it's as good as ours, but yeah. <laughs> you say it's a lot worse. <laughs> they don't do what they should be doing. They but don't report when it's actually discharging. There's a, which yeah, we I, were not doing either. We couldn't we're, say. We're still doing modeling. Right, yeah. right, right. They but don't mile either. They don't mile for the discharge. They no, they, well, there's there's multiple alert systems too. I will say yes. I think that I mean ultimately too because the the other idea was not just alerting users but alerting people that cared about the waterway that hey if you flush your toilet right now it's going directly to Newtown Creek or wherever you live. See, I get those from NYC Notify. Yes. So they well they have that and they also have the weight program. The weight program mm -hmm. was was specifically designed to replicate our model. And it's good. It still has some room to go because it's limited subscribers. But it is a, it's a, you know, so I think all this stuff we've talked, it's funny how much we've talked about DEP. I mean, they have such a huge stake on the creek with the treatment plant and the CSO and a lot of properties around it. But they have come a long way since, you know, 15, 20 years. But there's a lot of the stuff they haven't totally, I don't want to give them full credit. They haven't gotten this alert <laughs> system. They haven't gotten this right yet. They still have a, a little bit of ways to go with that. You know, we're still lagging behind and uh, fixing some of the, you know, direct, uh, even stormwater flows into the creek as well. So, yeah, they, they did the design of the system that was very much based around our letting people know, but it's not. See, another not one that you, you worked on on SWIM, at SWIM before you came to MCA, that's actually become policy now, are the bioswales. Um, you know, which is the theoretically, if you open up a sufficient acreage of soil in the concrete coated New York City, you're going to be able to remediate X number of gallons of stormwater, which everybody in the NCA side of the room knows that. Um, thing is, it's DEP still being DEP, though, is when I say to them, okay, so when you've opened up all your bioswales, how many gallons of water do you anticipate? Um, keeping out of the sewer system. And then they go, we don't know. We've never thought about that answer. Oh, you know, and it's like, oh, guys, come on, you know? It's not huge, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. Right, but still, there has to be an answer. That, it's, that's, a scale. it's also yeah. a scale issue. And that's the, what I think Reach Out Peak Alliance can say that it did was that it was a, a strong enough voice for our water body that we were one of the initial sewer mm -hmm. shed watersheds that got the pilot phase, <coughs> the scaled up pilot phase, green infrastructure investments. Mm -hmm. And that's where they're gonna learn. I mean, I'm, I'm not an apologist, and I definitely like push, 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 of course, but, but you have to build a certain amount before you can even answer those questions. Yeah. Um, and and New, York, New York City and Philadelphia on the East Coast have really been the pioneers in actually poking holes in the poking holes in mm -hmm. concrete. For Newtown Creek, however, quick thing, you can't just go around poking holes willy-nilly in contaminated concrete. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, we still have, and I, this is actually, I mean, this is something that's kind of in my, my, on my plate right now, something that I'm still working toward is understanding better how stormwater management occurs in, in legacy contamination. I think we're getting Good close topic. to probably needing to wrap up. Um, I want to thank you all.
for coming out tonight and sharing your story. Does anybody have anything else they want to add until we, till the next time? I am. Um, <laughs> well, it's not add so much. Just that um, I've been. I'm still thinking about something that uh, Katie and Laura said quite a while ago about. Um, Katie said that from your perspective, it seemed um, uh, surprisingly there were surprisingly few obstacles and surprisingly short amount of time from kind of engagement to results. Um, and and you noted that was um, because there had been a lot of people in the neighborhood who'd been focused for quite some time, and so that work was already built in. Um, and I was I was interested by what Laura you said about uh, that uh, it, it felt to you that it was a big deal when Katie gathered people around for a meeting and I, and I guess I think that you're I think that it was I suspect I mean, I'm what's been in my head is um, uh, reflecting on the fact that the district that I represented had here also had Brooklyn Heights for example and other places which had a active neighborhood group that kind of fully expected to be listened to and responded to um, because it's an area that had gotten a lot of attention from government and had a lot of money and there and so government and politicians paid a lot of attention and that kind of had not I think here has been it not I think that had not been as historically true Greenpoint had not been got a lot of government or political attention well, not in a good way at least mm -hmm. and um, and I, I do think that you know Katie's um, kind of interest in it galvan did had a galvanizing um, role in making the community people feel that there might be some point to devoting time and energy because if you don't feel like there's any point to it, then people are much less inclined to um, and it did I, I just think that there is something to that that there was some um, there was all, a lot of latent um, energy, knowledge, and um, willingness to work, and, and I think that the interaction with the, the government, the person of uh, of Katie, w was really useful, and it's kind of a per <laughs> and, it, and in some ways it makes sense because it's like a wasn't an agency that had an existing responsibility that could be screwed up in any way, um, but Mar she was still the government. Marcel Danoyan. I like there's an idea in there. Marcel Vanoyan, who is technically my boss, deserves some credit for yes. just not paying attention to me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. letting you do yeah. it. Okay, whatever. And, and right. so no, I, I give him great, great credit for the benign neglect. <laughs> yeah. like, that was like, his MO, right. I'd like to take a little bit of benign neglect credit. No, you were, you were very supportive. Um, and um, but really, just the difference. So, can we just say out loud some of the names of people who aren't here? Christine. Christine, clearly, um, Hollis, who has been here recently and can still participate, and Irene and Bernie, and Cassandra Dobson, and Tom Outerbridge, and Michael Heimbinder. Michael, I don't know where Michael, Michael is like, taking care of his kids. Yeah. And Phil Musagas, who's been said, but should be said 17 more times. And who else? Like, 
Bernie Auntie. Well, yeah, Bernie, Bernie, Bernie needs to be said a thousand more times. John Butchcomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said before, there was greenways and water, I mean waterways and green views uh, with Carol Woodward. Um, Penny. Um, Penny. I'm just Penny Lee. Penny Lee. Penny Lee. At the Department of City Planning. Queens. Queens. Now, like, out, out of the city. Uh, actually, back in the city and uh, working as a consultant oh, on uh, Amazon and other stuff. Oh, good for her. Yeah. Concerned Citizens of Greenpoint. Mm -hmm. That's the actual organization that, that, <laughs> that I mean belong to. Deborah Masters. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the first. She was an incredible example of the kind of community person we talked about before, and along Laura and Mike, who, um, who kind of like developed just were totally on their own enough scientific knowledge or kind of you know bits and pieces of knowledge to be able to question people and talk to them um, knowledgeably, and that was which was so valuable. Was that kind of the cumulative? He's mentioned before, but Jim Penn, uh, who taught us a lot about the way the system works. Um, our local electeds on both sides have been huge in terms of the fight. I mean, not just David, but you know, Councilmember Levin and Councilmember Reynoso, Ben Bramer, uh, Kathy Nolan, Joe Lentall, uh, you know, yeah, Diana Reyna as well has been huge force. Joe Lentall. Joe Lentall. Don't forget Basil Sagos, too. I was going to say, because you, 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 somebody just we, mentioned the name before. So we talked a lot about Basil oh, before, before you showed up. Okay. Yeah. Which also worth noting for the record that he is currently the DEC commissioner. So some of us made good. Yeah. In a very He's leaving, though. Right? He's leaving. Yeah. Um, I think happily and kind of readily. Um, and, you know, I, I, I hesitate to mention his name because he's terrifying, but uh, <laughs> uh, Governor Cuomo has also been a huge influence on Newtown Creek, the rebuilding of the Kosciuszko Bridge, his role as Attorney General in the ExxonMobil yeah. lawsuit. Um, I don't want to say his name three times because he might appear and kill us all, <laughs> but it's, you know. Thank you for mentioning the names of those not here with us tonight. All right, everyone, thank you so much for your time and thank your you. stories thank you. tonight thank you. and all the work you've done on the creek. Thank you.